This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, Tongva, Hohokam, and Yucateco Maya people. And we wish to pay our respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Konichi, what's up, cousins? Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your sir auntie, Charmaine Fury, a.k.a. The Blasian Blurred, and this is episode 210, and my guest today is J.D. Banks, which is one of the few people who have been on this show who I actually have met in Meat Space. J.D. Banks is the creator of the Black Nerds Expo in Maricosta College in Oceanside, California, and uh, I have participated alongside my co-host Sean Bay, a.k.a. Blurred Vision for Blurred Comics, since 2020. 2020, right before the pandemic, we attended the Black Nerds Expo as a podcast, uh, on February 29th, and then literally a week later, the world shut down because of the the pandemic. I mean, I remember shaking hands with people and us going, I, there's something on the news about we're, we're not supposed to be shaking hands. We didn't even know what we were getting ourselves into until like a week later, actually. So that was the last event that I attended out in the world uh, before the pandemic shut everything down. In 2021, we participated in the Black Nerds Virtual Expo, uh, where we got to have our little panel to express what it's like to be blurdy podcasters. And I also participated in watching a lot of the other panels there as well. And then in 2022, I missed the Black Nerds Expo because of travel. But I did definitely attend the Black and Brown Nerds Expo in November in Oceanside. It was one of the last trips I did before I left um, the States. And so I have a emotional attachment and loyalty to JD and these events that she has created, the Black Nerds Expo and the Black and Brown Nerds Expo. And it was during the virtual conference in 2021 that I discovered that JD was also a fellow mixed person. So we've been kind of talking about that off and on um, in our interactions related to the expos. And so I wanted to invite her on Militantly Mixed to share her story as a Black and Filipina person and a fellow nerd, cosplay nerd comic book nerd, the whole thing. Uh, so that's who I'm going to be sharing with y'all today. And I can even put in the, in the social media posts that there is a picture of us in person. So it's proof that we've met in meet space, which I'm excited about. So there, boom. Before we get into today's episode, though, I have a couple things I need to cram into this intro, um, and try not to be too wordy, lengthy, you know how I talk. Uh, first things first, this is June, so this is uh, Pride Month, and while I do tend to be a little inconsistent in acknowledging and celebrating and honoring the Heritage Months, the Pride Months, and things like that, uh, especially in the last year or so, I haven't really been into it that much. Uh, I do share other people's posts, but you know, I don't, I don't tend to make too much content related to these months myself. But I happened to find out just through email the other day that there is a mixed and multiracial heritage week in June, June 7th through the 14th. I did not know this until, until literally a couple days ago. I have been trying to push for a multiracial heritage month to be March because that's when I tend to make celebrations for it. Uh, but evidently we already had a week and I didn't know about that. Uh, so because multiracial heritage week is june 7th through the 14th and the month of june is pride month i have recently taken on the co-leadership of the mixed queer club aka the cmrs critical mixed race studies caucus for people that are in the intersection of mixedness and queerness uh, alongside my friend jen lee who you would have heard from in the chickenese episode from a couple years ago uh, she and i have taken on the co-leadership of this queer caucus and we've had one meeting so far back in april we will be having official meetings quarterly so our next one will probably be in july or august but because of june being the intersection of both mixed heritage week and 
Pride Month, we are going to have a mixed pride event on June 14th. Now, the details for this event will become available later on in the week uh, because we're actually still in the process of planning it. But because of the way my episodes time out, I wanted to throw it in there to keep keep it on your mind. So for those of you who are listening that are in the intersection of mixedness and queerness and might be looking for a safe space to uh, participate within that intersection, head on over to our Instagram, Mixed Queer Club. And you can also go to our newsletter, mixedqueerclub.substack.com and learn more about our caucus and also about our upcoming events. So we, like I said, we are going to be finalizing the setup this week. So we'll be posting about it later on in the week. But I wanted to let you all know, because my next episode doesn't hit until just two days before our next event. So mixed queer folks, check us out. And then our next thing is, you may have noticed on social media, I reopened the submissions to the Be Your Mixed Ass Self Anthology. (laughs) And it might sound a little bit wild because I initially extended the period and then I closed it down. We've gone into reading and reviewing. And um, also in the process of setting up publishing, we discovered that uh, actually we have far more pages available to us to print than I thought. So we decided to let's go ahead and beef this sucker up and extend the, or reopen, I guess, not extend because it it has been closed for a month, uh, reopen the submission window till June 30th. So if you were working on something, but then the window closed, or maybe you didn't start working on something until after the fact, or you were hedging and you're like, I'm not sure if I want to do it. Now is your time to get your nonfiction essays or your poems about you being your mixed ass self about mixedness, your feelings, thoughts about being a mixed person, whatever within mixedness uh, is speaking to you at the moment, you now have until June 30th to get those in and hopefully we can get a slightly more robust edition, first edition of the Be Your Mixed Ass Self anthology this year. And this has been a learning process the whole time and I'm, I'm really I'm excited and enjoying it, but also, you know, there's times when I'm like, oh, did I make it a mistake closing the window so early or, you know, should I have waited till the end of the year and things like that. Um, but I'm excited about what I've read so far. I'm excited about people who have agreed to send in something after we opened up the window the other day. Uh, so yeah, let's get this done. So if you would like to read the guidelines uh, and the requirements for your submission, please head on over to militantlymixed.com and click on the Be Your Mixed Ass Self Anthology tab. There you will see all of the guidelines and requirements for your submission. You will also see a PayPal button for you to submit your fee. And also, if you want to donate to help the publication costs, uh, you can also do that on that page. So scroll all the way down if you want to get to the donation tab. Um, do not scroll past the submission requirements if you are going to submit. I am aware that there are some people who did not read the submission, just sent something over, and I've had to kick a few things back because of it. But as long as you read those submission guidelines and stay within them when you do your submission, everything should be all good. Uh, so check out militarymix.com, check out the Instagram and um and get that get get your submissions in here uh we are heavier on poems at the moment than we are essays but we're accepting both so feel free to send those in and um you know hopefully we'll get some more essays in there as well (sighs) is that all yeah that's pretty much it uh you may notice i have my microphone back thank goodness I, i finally sound like a podcaster again but I do have some, you know, new house, new challenges. I am officially fully 100% moved into my new house here in Medellin, Mexico. Uh, my studio room, though, is too hot to work in. So I have to save up a little money to get an AC unit so I can put it in that room. It's the only room in the house that doesn't have AC, oddly enough. Uh, so I still don't have a studio space. So for now, I'm in a cubby in my master bedroom. So you might still hear some echoing and things like that. Um, because, you know, I'm working with what I'm working with. But uh, I already feel way better that I now have a permanent place that is mine to call home instead of having to kind of go back and forth between the old Airbnb and the new house. I loved my Airbnb, though. So if anybody's planning on visiting Medida and you want a cute little two-bedroom, one-bath place to hang out in, holla at your main because I'll send you the link. It was dope. Um, But, yeah, I got my pool. I got my hammock. I got my... 
if not a studio space yet, I at least got my little nook. I got all my equipment ready to go, and I'm feeling I'm feeling good about the next chapter. And um, yeah, I guess I guess that's pretty much it. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our latest cousin to the Military Mix family. Who that? JD Banks. Today, I am joined by one of the few people who has been on the show who I actually met in Meet Space. I like I've physically shared Meet Space with my guest today. My guest today is JD Banks. JD, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and let's get into it? Hi, I'm JD. <laughs> um, I'm the creator and organizer for the Black Men's Expo. I do a lot of other things, um, <laughs> but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. So the first year we met, it was because Blurred Comics, my other podcast, we were we were going to vend at the Black Nerds Expo, which we did right before the pandemic hit, like yeah. literally a week before the pandemic yeah. shut everything down, <laughs> like the last thing we did outside. Um, and then the following, what happened? We The next year, we didn't do an in-person one, right? We did the, right. the virtual one. Um, and then the following year, we did get to do an in-person. Oh, you know what? The Black and Brown Nerd Expo was the the in-person one that we got to do. Um, So like I said, I don't always get to have people on the show that I've actually met in the, in the real life and real meat space. So I was, I'm excited about that, but that was kind of when I sort of realized that you were also a fellow mixed person. Uh, Why don't you let everybody know kind of like what your, (laughs) why don't you let everybody know kind of what your heritage is and then we're going to kind of go from there. So my mom's Filipino and my dad's black. On my dad's side, we actually are from stories of her Cherokee, um, Native American, and then on um, my mom's side, we're Chinese descent, but Filipino black. <laughs> so uh, culturally, like growing up, did you have access to like Filipino culture and I guess Black Americans specifically? Yeah, um, before my parents split up, we spent like I mean, I I live with both my parents and like. My mom didn't really teach us, like, how to speak Tagalog, mm. but um, we grew up with the food, we grew up with some of the customs, learned who Buddha was, and and um, and then <laughs> learned who Buddha time. was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I mean, come on, you're, you're a black kid in a Chinese food restaurant when you're, like, five or who's six, and you're just like, who's that little fat guy on the statue? Why is he so happy? Oh, yeah, my mom's like, that is Buddha. And I was like, who's Buddha? Like, I don't know who that is. Why do they have a statue of it, you know? So, and then my mom, um, we actually did have, like, sometimes celebrate, like, Chinese lo- uh, lunar year. Mm-hmm. And um, and so uh, so some customs, like, kind of filter sure. down, just being Chinese descent, but mostly we're, we're Filipino, but um, I think that we spent more time with my black side of the family um, that were from um, up north mm-hmm. than than my mom's side because my mom's side was on the west coast at the time, so mm. I'm not even a native to the west coast either. Um, oh, okay, I can say I can say I am now because I've been here for half my life now. Wow, but yeah, I, yeah. Uh, but uh, just didn't grow up. And part of the reason that we didn't, my brothers and I didn't grow up with knowing Tagalog is because it wasn't really because so much of, because of my mom. If you ever hear other uh, Filipino Americans histories that a lot of them will say like, oh, my, our parents wanted us to not have an accent. Yeah. And so. Same with Japanese. <laughs> yeah. A, a lot of, a lot of, I've heard that story so many times of folks yeah. that are multiracial, multi-ethnic. Um, so there's that, but the other part was that my father didn't want us talking smack behind his back into Gottlob. So mm. <laughs> yeah, so it was that you know part of the reason why they're divorced. But the control freak my father. 
And oh, so we didn't, we only knew we only knew the bad words growing up mm. and or getting yelled at, you know, in English or broken English. And yeah. so I I have to say like the first 11, 12 years of my life, I really didn't know my mom that well because mm. we didn't know the language. My mom had trouble speaking English sometimes and uh and just having a control freak of a father. So and then when we finally came out to the West Coast, um, that's where we met all of my mom's side. And that was really interesting because it was like, okay, now there's, here's your culture shock, not just going mm-hmm. from East Coast to West Coast, not just now being a single parent household, mm-hmm. um, but also like, here's this whole set of family members that you don't know, mm-hmm. you don't know what they're saying, and you don't even know like some of the customs either. So it's yeah. just kind of a real big culture shock. And, and I think that's really like something that was kind of uh, not uncommon with other folks that I met and a lot of other folks that I met that were also black and Filipino or just fucking and mixed. And Mm -hmm. so that was interesting to, to finally meet, you know, my, my folks, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And being black Asian too, like, I mean, I'm meeting way more now than I ever have before, but to try to explain, like, we were even as light as I am. We were just black. Everybody right. we knew was black. Our family was black. And with the exception of what I call being weekend Japanese, where I kind of got to really <laughs> sit in the Japanese-ness in my grandma's house and stuff, even that came with rules. Like, Japanese, similar to Filipino, come here and assimilate. They they don't live within, like, a Japanese neighborhood necessarily. I think even Filipino people probably live around Filipino more than Japanese people necessarily live around Japanese people but you still don't do the language you you know you do some of the customs because it's just natural part of you know your family is there so like my family would go to Buddhist temples all the time I know how to pray at a Buddhist temple none of us think of it as that like we're just like this is just a Japanese thing that we go and do like go stand there clap three times put a coin in like that's literally like we don't know (laughs) really what we're doing we just kind of understand that this is the thing you do when you go to this place but then anytime you know all the other times we were just we were just black kids and all of our friends were too so that was just that was just how we japanese <laughs> like just on the weekend <laughs> kind of a thing and with the exception of food and like only knowing when like grandma was mad or mm-hmm. we could also say the races of people so that we could talk about them you know without having yeah. to we could do that too but same thing like there wasn't a whole lot of it was almost like a fear in the sense with my grandmother because she married a, a, a military guy so the military told her don't teach your kids but with Filipinos like there's so much American imperialism that took place and stuff like that that I think it's a it's probably a similar kind of fear but it's probably conveyed differently than like literally the military being like don't do this yeah well both my parents were in the military so it's hard for me to imagine my short little Filipino mom who has trouble running like being uh, in the military and then I can see my father because my father could outrun us till we were like 12 so like (laughs) but like but my my mother I was like on the high beyond the military but honestly um I would say most of my family, especially the males in my family on my mom's side, are are were in the military, and mm. I'm actually one of the only ones that aren't that wasn't in the military. That you didn't go? Yeah, I didn't go either. Mm. <laughs> no, no, thank you. No, thank you. No. Um, but yeah, I I also noticed that too with the whole military um, mindset. I guess is like just try to fit in and not. I guess more of a Japanese saying is like the hammer, the um, nail that sticks up must be hammered down. Kind of like that kind of idea. (laughs) Yeah, I tell tell people that too, like all the time. It's like literally even within the culture at back home, you assimilate to the larger group. So you can't come here and expect that you're going to be like a full ass Japanese individual. Like how, what? (laughs) what? (laughs) Make any sense. And, And I actually grew up with more Filipinos than I did. (laughs) <laughs> Japanese I grew up on west coast so I'm and also if someone looks at me depending on what my hair looks like if they think I'm Asian they think I'm Filipino 
Mm-hmm. But if they don't think that. I'm Asian, they think I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> no, most people just think I'm black. And I'm just like, it's some other mixed people. Other mixed people, let's you black and something else. Asian probably. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And actually, um, I had I had some conference uh recently and like uh, another black and Filipina woman was just like, You like a Filipina art show? I'm just like, Hell How yeah. Do you know that? Like, I <laughs> don't want to guess that of anyone, but yes, yes. How did you know? <laughs> you know? Did it feel good in the moment that you like actually got correctly identified? Yeah, yeah. It's it's so funny. It's really funny. I just like, all right. I, I don't I don't want to call it like a superpower or anything, like, oh, no, the rich person knows that other person mixed. But mm-hmm. I'm like, we're all at the end of the day, we're all mixed, you know. But yeah. like it's just funny. <laughs> and then we have folks that are just like shocked like oh you're not just black I was like yeah I have more yeah, open your eyes yeah <laughs> as a like as a mixed person like I know that my lens for faces is different than a monoracial person like I know I'm kind of actively looking to see if I can detect and then the, so the next thing is it's not just are you ethnically mixed but are you culturally like do you are you walking around with a mixed identity or whatever that means um and so when I see people I'm looking at them and and I used to do the thing, the uncomfortable thing, where are you or something? But, um, you know, years of not liking that being done to me, I finally learned to just say, are you, like, give it forward. If I think the person's mixed where I'm like, hey, I'm black and Japanese. Are you like me? Are you mixed too? Or something like that to like try to give mm-hmm. someone like a, that way I don't guess because, I mean, the things that people <laughs> think I am are never, they're like, I'll never, ever get a person that shows up and like, you black, Japanese and British American. Yeah. That's not <laughs> but I imagine if it happened if a person walked up to me and they were like are you black and Japanese I would die like right on the spot I think I would just be so excited that someone nailed it um, you just need to live in Japan then <laughs> I guess well but like in Japan they don't really acknowledge your mixed folks like I, I have a, a friend they actually do. who was a Japanese citizen mm-hmm. um, you know fluent Japanese and I mean his ambiguity is very like pretty much just in his eye like in the fact that he has a fold like I do instead of but other than that Japanese bone structure like the whole thing hair the whole thing but detectable enough for kind of the more supremacist (laughs) Japanese which is a thing um where they've actually received like harassment by police not believing them hotels not checking them in um restaurants not serving them because there are some restaurants in japan that are not for yeah. foreigners <laughs> and so they'll just yeah, assume those. yeah yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> like they literally just say usually on the outside like no foreigners and stuff like that um but uh but yeah so like it's for me most japanese people when i meet them and tell them in japanese that i'm japanese they'll ask me why do i think why do i think i'm japanese because the ethnicity is not really the thing to them. It's the national, it's the culture, it's the, it's the country you were born in, I think. But they also have the race thing. They just don't realize that they do it, I think, or they don't acknowledge it. Um, And then with Filipino culture, it's really about the imperialism, right? It's the colorism comes in, the imperialism, align yourself to Westerners. everywhere. Because I live in Japan for five years and not on a military base. And the colorism is real there too, like yeah. in the Philippines and anywhere else I've been abroad. So it's, it, it, it sucks. Yeah. That the darker you are, it's, you know, it's like the lower in status you should be, but mm-hmm. it's, I don't, it's really weird because when I actually, when I went to Japan and started living and working there, I remember there's these um, kids that were, one kid was, he was like in middle school and then uh, and it was a conjoined middle school and it was like an island school. So it was like all the schools were conjoined. It was like elementary, middle school and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this little elementary school boy came up to me and he was just like, your skin, your skin color is really beautiful. And I was just like, what do you say? And then I was expecting like fireworks or something. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then the, the student that was, um, chaperoning me basically was like he translated he was just like oh you said your skin is very beautiful and I was just because very beautiful and I was just like I had never heard that even Mm-mm. within my own family yeah and that's always stuck in my mind is when other folks would come up to me mainly in Japan and said oh your skin tone your skin color your skin is very mm. beautiful and I was just like I've never heard that from mm. any other person in the states 
to say yeah. that to me. Not my family, not my friends, nobody. And so, mm. yeah. And, and I was just like, and I could find, sometimes I could find concealer or foundation. And I, given I was in like the most Southern islands, which have some of the They have darker there. skin down there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, colorism is very real, but I also experienced like someone telling me that my skin was beautiful there too. And so I was just like, that's so funny that, that I had to go abroad to learn something about myself, like feel good mm, about mm. something about myself, you know, right. when usually it's seen that from the outside, like, you know, there's these perceptions, these assumptions, and it's just like, that's not really the case. You have to go and live there and really be with the people to know what's going on. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, even just within our own families, like, they might be prejudiced and things like that for sure, but they also love you, but they also say things that can be harmful and hurt you, but at the same time, they're going to feed the hell out of you so that they don't have to tell you that they love you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. being Asian. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that crosses like all, all of us. That's one of the few yeah. things. They all cross the line so many times problem. and they give you food and then try to make you feel better, but then they cross the line all over again. You're just like, this is yeah. just back and forth. Yeah, <laughs> but I agree with you. The living abroad th- or even just being abroad thing, um, the the acceptance that I, I am experiencing right now just as like a, a brown person walking around, like I'm kind of invisible here. Uh, now I'm in Mexico. I'm kind of invisible here, which is like a thing I've never been before. And I'm really kind of liking it that like I go outside and someone doesn't ask me what I am. You know, like that's never happened before. This is the first time. This is like I've literally gone two and a half months and not have been asked, "What am I?" For <laughs> you know, I've never had that stretch of a time in my entire life. Um, but it it really just makes me feel like, oh, if I'm just invisible, I I this is actually kind of fun. Like I can just kind of walk around. That being said, there are people who get excited that they get a chance to talk to an American. For the day and that's sending me into a mental like spiral of like wait you view me as an american because what i think of american yeah. and you think of as american are freaking me out um so that's a little bit <laughs> that's kind of where i stress yeah out it's like it's like you an extra thing tacked on when you live abroad you're like mm-hmm. suddenly like oh like you're american and it's just like <laughs> i don't get the when i was in the states i was black and filipino and then yeah. suddenly when I go outside, it's like, you're American. And I was like, okay, this is weird not to add this to this whole yeah. cultural multi-ethnic stuff at all. I feel like a second-class <laughs> citizen in your own country. And even, like, traveling back. Do you get stopped at, in customs? Do you get held up coming back into the States when you travel outside? It's not, it depends. If, if I'm traveling with my husband, <laughs> if there's some things he says, and I'm just like, why did you say that? Yeah, I, I have to make sure mine don't wear. Mine has to not wear Arabic t-shirts. <laughs> it's like, will you take this Saudi Arabia t-shirt off? You're not even from there. <laughs> I know. It looks cool. It looks cool. I like it. I like how it looks yeah. on my shirt. I like it. Come on. You like think about what they're looking for. Because um, mine is Arab. He's he's half Arabic, but he didn't grow up knowing that side, so he has very little Arab awareness. And then we go through an airport and I'm just like, Habib, <laughs> will you stop going? Will you stop acting like you're a white person? Um, yeah, he don't know any better. <laughs> that's really, that's really. But I get held up at the, like, I come in to the country and I get held up and I get asked where, what country was I born in, where, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, first of all, the U.S. passport should be enough, but to also like try to get me to prove that I belong back in the country and stuff like that I'm like that that part is actually really stressful so to have that thought about the country I was born in and then I go anywhere abroad and I'm an American I'm just like I I don't want (laughs) no thank you (laughs) no thank you Um, so that's a that's a weird thing to get adjusted to but it's interesting have you been back to the Philippines at all have you been able to um I haven't been Seven years, I think. Yeah, about seven years. Same with Japan, seven years. Have you seen how? How? I'm trying to ask, how are you seen? Like, do they see you as Filipina or? Yeah, I'm seen. It's really, it was really shocking to me the first time I went. I was just like, 
like people would start speaking to me in Tagalog first mm-hmm. and and then I would like I could understand by that point because uh college I did a lot of like cultural reclaiming including language nice. and um so I could understand by that point and now it's just like like they'll say all the stuff and then I'll be like uh I know what you're saying but I cannot speak to you in Tagalog and oh and then switch over to English and I'm and I, that was pretty shocking to me and I was just like, oh, and then um, I learned later on that there's a lot of, like, indigenous, like, Filipinos mm-hmm. that I look like. So I'm you considered, right, yeah. I guess, more of a Spanish word is morena. And mm-hmm. so I was just like, oh, okay. So I look more, like, indigenous, like, Filipino, Filipina than anything else. So that's when people started talking to me in college. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. How did that make you feel like as a person who doesn't often get seen? Like, how did that make you? Big question mark. I'm like, what? what? Like, <laughs> like... <laughs> and, and I, I get it because, like, I look a lot like my mother now. So mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, so I'm like, okay, I have like a lot of similar structures and stuff. It's just that I'm a lot darker skinned than her. And, mm. and there's a couple of things that are from like my dad's side. So, um, but yeah, I was just like, I was like, that's so funny. <laughs> I think like, yeah, if I walked past you, I would, my, my, um, I call it smell your own kind type of thing where like my, <laughs> my senses would pop up and be like, that's a mixed person. But then I just like, you know, kind of try to leave it to myself. But, uh, what I don't do is do the, um, guess the ethnicity wheel of fortune thing. I just go like, I wonder if that person is a black Asian like me. And I make that very broad, like pretty much anybody that's also black and Asian, wherever, wherever in Asia they're from. Um, I'll, I'll kind of do that. Like, I wonder if that person's a black Asian like me and then just kind of leave it. But (laughs) I don't know that I would necessarily been like, I wouldn't, I don't have an eye enough to be able to pick, pick out like the specific, especially once we start getting closer to like the different ethnic groups within our countries. Cause people forget like even mm-hmm. Japan has a couple different ethnic groups too, but you know, you got to go to the islands or you got to go really North to start seeing them. Um, so like, I, I just kind of do that. I think that person might be a black Asian like me. And then I get real excited. <laughs> like when I get, when I meet black Asians, I get probably a little bit more excited than when I just meet mixed people in general. <laughs> same, <laughs> Sorry, same <audience>. here. <laughs> Because it's well, different. Like, yeah, it is. It is. Like, some of my uh, work friends, they are, like, Asian and white, Asian and black, or whatever. And we're kind of a pretty tight crew. And it's completely different when they're not, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it sounds like, and especially if they're black and part of some Asian group, like, I was mm-hmm. just like, all right, so how's your is it your mom your dad like how yeah. what's life like you know and it's just like kind of funny because it's just like some of the same like stuff just intertwined together and i'm just like yeah okay so we have some of the same experiences so yeah. not all of them but some of them and it's just kind of like comforting to be able to have that extra thing because i think what a lot of us as black asians experience is even though whichever parent or in my case grandparent decided to you know, partner outside of Asia, um, the the preconceived notions that they're picking up aren't even necessarily from their own culture. Like they're absorbing the American um, stereotypes, culture, things that they're hearing and stuff like that. And so you, you're constantly having to kind of undo that in your own family. It's just like, no, you heard that from white people. Leave it, you know, that's yeah. not, <laughs> that's not a real thing or something, um, which gets, you know, it kind of, it kind of gets a little bit tough. And then we also were Asians are also pitted against other non-white minority groups because, you know, it was a like they literally started they excluded Asians from the country and then literally started letting them in to exclude black people. You know, so it's like this weird mm-hmm. hierarchy thing that it, that's happened. Um, so it, I feel like there's just this little extra thing when you're a black mixed Asian versus a white mixed Asian or a black and white biracial or anything like we just have an experience that it's like, we're, we're double minorities when one family, but there's literally a hierarchy that the outsiders are telling us is okay for us to exist in. And that's not, that's not always fun. <laughs> that's not right. always easy for us to deal with. Or especially like the sexism within mm, like mm. the different cultures. Like, 
I know, like, as a, from my mom's side, family, like, the women are seen down here and the guys are seen up here. And I'm just like, okay, like, I'm doing all this other stuff. And then my male cousin could be doing something else that's just in their vicinity. And I'm just like, all right, well, I've gotten awards. I know. Awards and stuff like that, like, or recognition, like, and no one says anything or say, oh, congratulations. But, like, as soon as one male cousin or male person does something, like it's just like oh my gosh everyone be on facebook messenger i was like okay like <laughs> like he he graduated high school he's supposed to i got an award <laughs> for something i didn't have to do <laughs> yeah. and i'm just like all right like uh or like some of the customs like if, if a guy got divorced it's like okay but then if a girl got divorced it's just like whoa no you know You're there's tainted. something wrong with you you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> oh man no for real like like, that's a real mm. thing (laughs) yeah I'm just like okay and like (laughs) I mean I grew up with a bunch of boys not my fault like it's just it's like why aren't you more like girly or feminine or more like like gracious or something like that I'm like why that's not the way I grew up you should know that or about me already if you don't accept it that's too damn bad (laughs) yeah I was pretty much I'm the only girl in my family or Well, I have some gender issue things, but I, in terms of how I was raised, <laughs> I'll say like yeah. that. I, I was, ra- I was the only, I was, I'm the oldest and I'm the only born female for 10 years before the next one pops up. I lived mm-hmm. with all my boy cousins. I shared bedrooms with my boy cousins and my brothers. So when I couldn't figure out makeup or I couldn't figure out hair, I couldn't present a certain way or didn't show enough skin. Like literally my mother would be like, I don't show enough skin. How am I going to get? man you know like stuff like that like um these types of things that just uh, i i don't i don't see it happening in a lot of other (laughs) yeah so it's like i don't even want to i don't even know it sucks um and and they don't yeah you're right they don't have to do nearly as much to get the to get the praise and you know i mean so i've separated myself from a from a lot of that just because one my gender thing is i guess too complicated for some people to adapt to and um the not fulfilling certain gender role expectations always always thing and literally like i'm not doing anything that's particularly masculine or feminine i'm just doing <laughs> i'm just doing something <laughs> just being you right yeah i'm just like and suddenly like someone a, had to say something unnecessary i'm like um no one asked I first and <laughs> two uh, i, I wanted really to care <laughs> so what was exactly. the whole point of this by the way yeah so um going back a little bit to the way that you and i met um you were the you had um organized the black nerd expo at at, uh miracasa college and a lot of that uh even though it was a black nerd expo even the first one it was still very multicultural there was there was room for all kinds of people you did eventually create also the black and brown nerd expo uh which is at a different time in the year you're doing both throughout the year now going forward i don't think i'm gonna go forward with black and brown nerds expo again um the even with the committee that i had just did i ended up doing most of the work so Mm. and so i don't really want to have to depend on like a certain folks team committee just because just to keep them include, keep the whole thing inclusive. Got you. Yeah. When no, that makes sense. folks aren't doing anything. So I don't, I'd rather just cut my losses now and not do it versus try to make it work. And I, I get why, I get why like it's good. Like both events are good events, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. at the same time, it, it's very exhausting to do one. And, and you then, have to make decisions for Brown that is not your Brown. If, if not yeah. everybody is participating. Right. So that would be a strange yeah thing yeah and it's just so exhausting and I don't want to have to go through that again um so I'm kind of like I don't I'm just going to cut my losses now and I'm sure like like oh why don't you do it I'm like why don't you do it you know (laughs) there's room there's room for other people to do things well I don't know how to do it I didn't know how to do it when I first started I figured it out how about you figure it out if you can watch uh watch your YouTube video on how to make fried rice you can probably figure out how to run a convention exactly (laughs) exactly I know because like I like you reached out to us 
I didn't even, I was like, oh, someone found us. Like I got all kind of excited that first year. I know you were probably doing a lot of legwork, but like you reached out to us and you're like, Hey, you know, you can have a booth at this place and da da da. And what was fun for us because both Sean Bay and I are mixed is that there just happened to be a whole bunch of people that were mixed or interracial families, multiracial families that were there. And, um, and so we always had, we, we were always having constant flow and like, we didn't have to necessarily explain, you know, Hey, we're mixed, but we're representing for, you know, our nerd, our nerd comes through the black lens before <laughs> it's necessarily the other stuff that we're mixed with and stuff. And people were just really welcoming of that. And all the, all the other vendors, same thing. Like it was, it was such a, such a that first one for us was such an eye opener of like how we can exist in spaces because we were we were going to conventions just talking to people and you could already tell like the people who wouldn't let us nerd in their space if we if we <laughs> wanted to right but you created a space that was just comfortable inclusive but centering blackness which I think is also the difference of the way black folks do things versus other groups necessarily <laughs> do things is that, yeah, we're centered, but we're not going to say you can't come. We're not going to say you can't eat this food. We're not going to say you can't participate in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And I feel like that was, that was really a thing. It was such a, a good experience for us to be able to be just comfortably able to be a nerd that day in that space with all these people. I really appreciated it. Oh, well, thank you for that. I mean, just, I was part of our mission too, was um, for Black Nerds Expo, just because nerd by itself is already seen as part of like whiteness, mm -hmm, like, like mm -hmm. Star Trek, Star Wars, if you like Batman or Legos or whatever, you know, like yeah. it's always like seen as part of like whiteness and mm -hmm. people seeing some people like, who's back to black card? Like, I'm like, um, who made you a black card police? What? Right. Two, mind your damn business. And three. <laughs> Why can't we nerd? Yeah, <laughs> we nerd. And so, and 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 the funniest part. So with Black and Brown Nerds Expo, I had a bigger community, and even the question came up was like, "What is a nerd, though?" And and so redefining what a nerd is mm. was hilarious. And so I was like, "Well, I know a lot of people will think like Steve Urkel, <laughs> you know." That kind of nerd, freaks and geeks, like that, you know? Mm -hmm. But I was just like, a nerd is, to me, a nerd is someone who's passionate about whatever thing, series, books, whatever thing that they are. So they can even be a sports nerd. They know mm -hmm. all the stats right, yeah. about these players or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, you can be a sports nerd. You can be, uh, I don't know, an esports nerd. You can be a Star Trek nerd. You can be a Star Wars nerd. You can be an Aliens nerd. Like, it... it 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 doesn't stop like mm -hmm. what type of nerdism it is. Basically, whatever you prefer and like is your nerdism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're nerdy, and so we redefine that because I think that the misconception of, of nerdism is like it's white, it's nerdy, geeky, mm -hmm. freakish kind of thing, mm -hmm. weird, and it's just like that's that's not it. And so that was the whole, that was one of the missions of Black Nerds Expo and nice. later on Black and Brown Nerds Expo is to show that like, hey, being a nerd isn't necessarily mean that you're closer to whiteness, you have to give up one of your cards or anything like that. It just means you're being you and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is like what I've discovered in the last, especially in the last five years that I've really laid into publicly nerding, I guess, was that I'm, I'm joy seeking. Like I had a, I had a very difficult childhood. I wasn't allowed access to things, whether it was through poverty reasons or straight up my family wasn't cool with it type of reasons. I didn't get to express in ways that, you know, would have made me probably a more well-rounded and healthier person if I got to. A lot of the stuff I had to do kind of closeted. But once I got to be sort of openly a nerd, even though I get dealt, you know, even though somebody will eventually, I literally owned a comic book shop and was asked constantly if I knew anything about comics. Um, even though you're going to get like some of that invalidation type of thing or whatever, uh, my goal is to, is to enjoy what the hell it is I'm doing, whether I'm doing it for a profession or doing it for fun. And if I want to sit there and read comics, that's, that's what I'm doing. You know, you're not going to tell me I can't have access to this thing. Uh, Cosplay, you and I both are into, into cosplay and we were not the 
black or mixed or mixed Asian version of a character, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we are doing that character. We just happen to also be black Asian. I, I, I went to New York Comic Con last year and I was dressed as uh, Shinobu Concho from um, Demon Slayer. And yeah. for mm-hmm. the most part, anime cosplay is pretty heavily white. There are a lot of black anime cosplayers, but in numbers game, when you're in New York Comic Con, you're going to mostly see the white people doing it. Although the black ones, we always found each other. We always took pictures together. So there's, <laughs> right? there's that. There's that. Um, but as I'm walking, pa- walking past these really two tall white guys, they look down at me. They literally just like stop, look down at me and said, as if I was not there while they were speaking to each other. That's a pretty good Shinobu. She kind of looks Japanese. And I, I started laughing as they walked away because I was like, they're not wrong. I do kind of <laughs> look Japanese. <laughs> but at the same time, it was like, ew, that you could just say that out loud and not, you know, like I'm here. I'm I'm the I'm the person that you're talking about and you made eye contact with me but you talked about me like I wasn't yeah there or human again I think that's like a weird way to sort of invalidate people's nerding when we're like literally all here searching for something to enjoy Um, which is another thing which I think nerd policing is very weird like why why can't we have fun why can't we enjoy this why do we have to have more serious hobbies you know Mm -hmm. as brown people as black people um, I think that's never made any sense, but we also don't have a whole lot of places to ex- exhibit that in, and the black nerds ex- expo gave us that place where we could just be nerds and comfortable. Um, so I know I said it already, but I'm, I'm so appreciative of the work that you put into it. And I know you've put in a tremendous amount of work into it and probably even have had self doubt sometimes and exhausted to the point of like, do I even want to do this? But like, I know that for me and for the people I've interacted with there, um, it was really meaningful that you had put that time in to create that space. Why did you do it? I have lots of reasons. One of them was the one I explained earlier about showing, like, if you're a nerd, be you. You know, it's okay. It doesn't matter what your skin color is, what your cultural history is, your heritage, whatever. Just be you. You know, that was... That was one of the big reasons I did Black Nerds Expo. The other part was they're just, I kind of want to flip a little, just a little bit of experiment (laughs) is flip the convention model a little bit. The conventional Mm. convention model, Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know, is mm -hmm. the, is where, you know, you book a venue and then you have all the vendors pay like a lot of money for a space that they don't even know if they're going to be able to sell to because they don't even know which audience it's going to be for except for a nerdy audience, you know? And from a business standpoint, like you can't just sign up for any convention without knowing like the demographics. Um, And, and every convention is a risk um, business wise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so looking at it business wise, I was just like, it kind of sucks that especially for small businesses or folks that are just freelance artists or just artists trying to make ends meet. Cause let's just be real. A lot of creatives don't make enough to live off of fully. Yeah. Um, but asking this amount of money that might not seem like a lot, but just to pay back the venue. Um, it just, to me, I know it's like capitalism at its best, but at the same time, like, mm-hmm this does not really help anybody. Like it's, it's almost like you're punishing the people that are running your exhibit hall almost for being there. And so if we don't have any vendors, you wouldn't have a convention. You would just have a bunch of like showcases and that's it. And so to me, if it's not, if there's no vendors, you don't have a convention. (laughs) You just have a show. (laughs) That's different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't think that businesses, business owners, creatives should be charged to be in a space that they should be in to make your event or whatever events possible. <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah. That's why I made a lot of the, uh, for Black and Brown and Black North Expo, um, the vendor spaces free <laughs> is and I tried my yeah. hardest. I I try to do everything by the book, um, but 
since a lot of things are going to also change in the future, um, both at the school that I work with and then the, the city level, like that's also one of the reasons, another reason why I'm not doing black and brown nurse expo is because there's the possibility that they might not work with me and I might not be able to make it free anymore. And that's the one thing that I mm. want to keep for any nerds expo yeah. that I do is, or any event thing that I do that's nerdy. Um, I don't want small businesses, business owners, creatives to have to pay for space. It's actually a very good, um, it's a it's a very safe space to be in, to be uh, an mm-hmm. owner or a, a business owner or a creative, and especially those that are just starting out. There are so many folks that it was their first time tabling for anything that they did for their businesses. And right. they didn't have to worry about like, do, am I making, am I recouping at the... least? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and then the experience between the, the exhibitor vendor and the attendee completely changes that dynamic. So I also wanted to be a good experience for both the vendor and the attendee. And the only way to do that was to make those spaces free too. Yeah, it yeah, it was our first time tabling as that that podcast. I've tabled for different things before, but yeah, I mean, like I've done conventions where we came within five hundred dollars of of just the booth. Like, well, we didn't even clear the booth cost, let alone mm-hmm. the gas it took us to get there, the carting stuff over, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and that that does change the experience. Because yeah, I mean, really not knowing who the audience might be is a is is a pretty scary thing, and just like, I mean, I've been to to cons as a customer walking up to a booth and being told like, "Do what are you buying something for someone else?" You know, like, "Do you know what they're into?" And I'm like, "Well, it it was going to be for me, but you just gave me what I needed to walk away from." You know, like, you're mm-hmm. not even the vendor is not even thinking that you might actually be a comic book nerd or whatever, you know, in my case it was comic and stuff. So I think, uh, I I think you're right. Like that being the, it did create a safe space to give us a chance to just kind of exist within the people and, and actually gave us like time where we could sit there and talk to the people that would come up to our booths longer because we weren't worried about clearing them out to, yeah. get the next person to come on and in, in the hopes and in our case we weren't selling anything but we were hoping we were gaining more audience members to so that things could eventually sell you know like down the road or something like that um for our for the first time that we tabled with y'all and um and it was nice i actually had people who listened to militantly mix who came to both the black and brown and the black nerd expo because i was awesome. going to be there so it was a chance of Yay. like they were going to come and see me in person so that was fun um <laughs> And uh, because it was just like how people don't get a chance to see me. So they were like, you're going to be somewhere. I'm going to go see you. And it was dope. Like, it was great. Yeah. There's a, I remember Um, when Sean Bay came up and he was walking up and I was just like, I was like, that's definitely Sean Bay. And then my, my (laughs) boss, she was like, is that like Black Fabio or something? Like, just wow. You know what I'm saying? He gets that kind of stuff all the time. Pretty Ricky. That was the funniest thing. Like, I mean, if 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 you weren't there in person and you're Chave, like, like, and people talk, you know, like, that's a way to spread your not just your message, but also just Mm -hmm. have fans, you know, to meet you and stuff, or just like sit with you or learn who you are, you know. So that's that's always fun. But I I'm hoping that I, I hope that. Black and Brown Nerds and Black Nerds Expo are breaking barriers. Like, I already, I know the free, like, exhibitor booth thing or whatever is already one thing, but also, like, mm-hmm. writing waters and and meals and, and some type yeah. of food thing for free. Um, this year, yeah. we were able to, to do gas cards for those that came from faraway places like L.A. and mm-hmm. uh, Riverside and stuff like that. Um, and then just to do like things like that, I, I'm trying to make it to where it's like, I hope it didn't cost you money to get here. <laughs> you know, you no, know, it did like, it was tremendously <laughs> helpful. Yeah. Like I did fly out, but it was because I already, you already gave me the experience of this is such a happy thing to do that it, for me, it, like it, 
how do I say like it wasn't anything for me to fly because I wanted to go and you provided all the other thing you know like you did you fed us and it wasn't like terrible food it was like really good food no convention (laughs) feeds you you know like that kind of stuff was there the gas cards came through because it's like I left when I left LA to move to Houston I left five dollar um or four four dollar a gallon gas and went to $2 a gallon gas. And then I went to San Diego that time and it was like near $6 a gallon. I was like, damn, I'm not even gonna get through this whole weekend. So like, yeah, like you provided, there was a way, there's so much more that you were providing in that, that made it like, and and Shambay and I've talked about it, like any time, while it might be difficult, more difficult for me now living in Mexico, but if he can go by himself or something like that, like we're, we are loyal. <laughs> we are loyal to the Black Nerds Expo because, um, you know, you just provided a place that made us happy to go. Uh, we get to, we get to be happy when we see people there too. Um, the people we see get to be happy, and uh, and you know we've had we have some friends on there that showed up too this last time and got to participate in some of the activities. So that was the other part is that you know it's very family friendly and people got to participate in things. Um, so yeah, I appreciate. It. I didn't mean to take so much time going into it, but it is <laughs> such a nice thing that I hope that people if they are in the area of, in Southern California that they get a chance to check it out because it doesn't feel you definitely don't feel the pressure of going into this, but even as a consumer, like, you know, going in and just walking around and seeing the nerdy stuff, you don't, you don't necessarily have to feel uh, the guilt of a person just sitting there like, please buy my, <laughs> please buy my little thing. Um, so it's a nice, it's a nice thing. Um, as a, as a, co- as a person who likes to cosplay, uh, just because I'm also a nerd and like to cosplay too, how do you approach your cosplay? Um, Does it have anything it to do re- with sort of your? Yeah, it it depends. Um, I I honestly I don't like like blackifying like characters. Like I know a lot of people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do that, and I know a lot of it's because it's the lack of black characters in a lot of things, especially like anime. Um, so mm-hmm. I actually pick like dark skin characters or folks. So like if I walk around, oh, you do actively outfit. Okay. Yeah, and so when I walk around in Wonder Woman outfit, I'm actually Nubia, who, if you look at the 70s comics, had the same outfit look. She's just a black version of of Wonder Woman made out of black clay, Mm -hmm. her sister. So I know that history. Don't you you just love that origin story? Yes, yes. (laughs) And then they created a new whole series for her, and I was so happy about that because we're mostly uh, either non-binary or females on the the creation team of the comics. so Shout out that. to Stephanie and Vita for those. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and and also, uh, but like I'm actively like looking for characters. So I have so right now like cosplay I have is like a movie costume. I have um, I just since I got a sewing machine, I just uh, created nice. a um, Yoriuchi from Bleach. Um, oh, her yes, costume. Yes. I want to do her so with bad. the orange jacket. I have to redo it because I, I don't know. I guess I'm feeling out pure since I've been training, strength training more. So mm. I have to redo my that part of the costume. Um, I have a uh, excess the Flash uh, costume. It's a pur- full purple costume. It's the one based off of the the Flash TV show series, but excess is actually also like a black. Uh, speedster in the comic books and if you read the mm-hmm. like golden age era time 90s and 80s time frame then that's she's actually mm-hmm. black too um mm. there's and then um and i do have a couple anime costumes like i do have like a like demon slayer um Kanawa one i only like mm-hmm. i only wanted to do that one um uh, as myself because i actually like the the purple costume with the white boots so it's really more like a preference for me in that sense but most of my characters (laughs) if i'm gonna make like stuff for and buy the full or buy like certain things from it and try to match it it's usually going to be a character that is actually black or or dark skin um my latest Mm. one was ashoka kano from star wars um Mm-hmm. So I love Rosario Dawson as Ashoka. So I was like, I can't wait for that new series to come out this year. Um, and so I did dress up as that too. And and so I usually go out and try to find like dark skinned or black characters to cosplay 
I have a little bit of racial intention in my in my costumes. <laughs> Not all. The first one where I really got the bug bit for for it being cosplay was when I did um, Jubilee at a con and and like a Psylocke came up and asked me to take a picture with them and I was like me because <laughs> I, you know I just felt like I was like I was just. Just trying, I have but, a storm um, one. Oh, wait. So next time I come out, I'll do my jubilee. And if you're going to do, do your storm, so we can the white, do the white, uh, but yeah, like so the storm and jubilee <laughs> were my two favorite characters growing up. And and for me, it was my way of like that's kind of representation. Like, I'm Japanese, not Chinese, but jubilee was raised by white people. So, like, my parents also aren't the same color as me. So, that's how I found like the nugget of representation between them. Um, and then Storm was like a, an accented black person. So it was kind of like my family because my family, you know, I have a lot of accents in my family. So, you know, it was a different, it was like those two, those two characters. I have yet to cosplay Storm, but I have had art of me drawn as Storm before just to like make me feel like what I can see in it. Um, but then I do, I like to gender bend cosplay a little bit. And so the, I guess the two white or whatever characters I've ever done would be uh, um, the Joker and um, Gambit. So I, I have, I have done that, but a lot of times it's like, if they, if they're vaguely in my ethnic wheelhouse, even if I don't quite look like the character, I'll try to do it in a way that, you know, makes sense for me being a mixed version. My next one I really want to do is the cartoon version of Moon Girl, the the small little series uh, that was on oh, Disney. Yes. Um, I kind of, I kind of wanted do that but like with my purple hair just being pigtails instead of you know puffs <laughs> um so we'll see we'll see how that one turns out but I got really into well I'm really into I really love Moon Girl she's one of my favorite characters but when I saw the the cartoon version of her I was like oh I want to do that <laughs> I want to do that she was cute um she's very cute I really like her I like how smart she is um yeah me too <laughs> I like when she talks shit to Thor and Doctor Strange, <laughs> and uh, and and uh, let's call it a Hulk, smart Hulk. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like it. Stone yeah. Bay has done a Hulk before. We've never been side by side when he's done a Hulk, but like whenever he feels nice and fit, he'll throw, he'll do, he'll do a Hulk. <laughs> you know, when um, I feel nice and fit, yeah. I'll do my newbie or Wonder Woman one. <laughs> I have to Again, work yeah. out. Like, I got yeah. Really there's good. there's some right. that like I'm like. Yeah, tighten this area up and then we'll go ahead and go back outside. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Can't do that one. Let me find another one. Um, um, before we get out of here, one question I do like to ask all of my guests is uh, what is something that you, you love most about being a mixed person? I like surprising people because I get to use their own assumptions against them. <laughs> mm, so mm -hmm. like, uh, like people think that I'm just black and then I, go to a Japanese restaurant and I start speaking to the waiters in Japanese and they'll look at me like, why do you know Japanese, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah. and I was just like, yeah, I hear you. Or just just surprising people in general because their assumptions are wrong. Um, I think that part is kind of secretly fun and torturous for them. It is, right? Because so, <laughs> yeah. so. you're like, aha, <laughs> I revealed something about you you need to go work on. <laughs> So like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, you speak Japanese? I look at my daughter. I'm like, no, no. It's I just learned, so I'm just saying some words I already know. So <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, like I can sound like I speak Japanese. I I definitely understand more than I speak, but um, I I certainly understand more. But if I need to, I can sound like I like I speak enough Japanese um, <laughs> for like the four sentences that as I know really well. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. I appreciate. I, I I like that. I know there's some people like you have to be nice, but I don't. I don't need to be nice about this anymore. I've had a lifetime mm -hmm. of people misidentifying me, deciding I don't look like the thing I told them I was. Yeah. So if you get a little uncomfortable when you hear about what I am, that's on you. I got no. I got no room for it anymore. Yeah. Or or people start talking smack about like other people and stuff. I'm looking at them like. Who are you? Like I always think that in my head. Like when people start starting yeah. to smack about things like that or saying stuff out loud, and I'm like, "Who are you? Why are you all up in their business?" And they're like, "Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't know you were listening." I'm like, "Oh, oh, I didn't know you had those kind of thoughts so you said that." Yeah, it shouldn't be you? that someone could hear you. It should not be that. <laughs> that 
that should not happen. And I will say that out loud too. Like, who are you to them to yeah. anyone here? Like, and then just oh, yeah. why are you saying it like that? Like, why do you have to say it like that? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. For every question you give me, I can hit you back with the exact same thing. So everybody <laughs> yeah. needs to calm down. Acting a fool out here. Uh, why don't you tell everybody how to find you if you wanna if you wanna share with folks how they can find. You. Well, we did talk a lot about Black Nerds Expo, so we did end up find Black Nerds Expo. It's blacknerdsexpo.com, Black Nerds Expo on Instagram, Black Nerds Expo on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking for me, um, my personal one is on Instagram, is uh, Banks. Um There's a lot of underscores in there. I'm just there's underscores. Yep. You, you're fine. You can find me. But It'll like... be in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Any opportunity I get a chance to to chat and hang out with you, um, I'm I'm happy for. So thanks for, I know you've been a guest on Blurred Comics, but thank you for also coming over onto Militantly Mixed Mm -hmm. too, so we can talk about this part of who we both are as as mixed and nerdy folks. And to everybody else out there, don't forget, be your mixed ass selves. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.